this morning. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I, I find the older I get, the less I want to go on vacation. I'm not sure if it's because I'm just older and grumpier and don't want to get further from my house or if it's because I just don't want to miss church. I, uh, I have come to a place that my wife will attest that she's been trying to get me to go on a trip for a while now, and I keep canceling them because i got to miss Sunday, and I don't know that I could do without that. I don't know that, you know, I know we have to have some rest, we have to have some vacation, we have to rest at some point, but I have found that Sunday morning is my rest, Sunday morning is my refuge, Sunday morning is my peace, and I am so thankful for an almighty God. I'm going to I'm going to attempt to go through some notes this morning of a a lesson my grandfather taught, um, one of the last lessons my grandfather taught, uh, somewhere early 2010. uh, My daughter's found a notebook for me this week, and I I tend to journal sermons. You see, normally I've got a notebook up here, and I'm taking notes, and there will be my notes on the sermon and my thoughts on other sermon thoughts, and if anybody else tried to read that page, it wouldn't make any sense if they could make sense of the hieroglyphics that I call handwriting. Um, but I, I tend to go back through those, and I'd lost this one. It was one of my earlier ones. It was um, actually my very first sermon notebook when we started pastoring in Piedmont. And my, one of the first things in here is a, a letter I wrote kind of to myself to remind myself what I was feeling going through. Um, at that time, because I remember the day that I sat down, and this isn't the direction I plan on going, so we'll see what happens this morning. But I, I remember the day that I sat down, and uh, they, they voted us in, and uh, it was all excited, and congratulations, and everybody leaves, and I'm sitting in the office, and evidently my wife and I drove separate vehicles, because I was the only one left in the church, and then it got real. Then I thought, whoa, well, this, is, this has actually happened. And I begin to to think about that, and I was a little bit overwhelmed, Pastor. I was a little bit uh, just caught along. So, you know, I was 23 years old, Pastor, in a church, and um, what had been supposed to be about a five-year transition turned into a three- or four-month transition. My grandfather, uh, I had come on as a co-pastor, and my grandfather had to have a very sudden, very surprise uh, five-way bypass heart surgery, and wasn't going to be able to be in church for six to eight months. and um, So all of a sudden, there I was. And I sat down, and it was at that time, I flipped open and I found some notes from a sermon he had preached before that. And he, he recovered to preach some sermons a few years later, but maybe five or six the rest of his life before he passed. And uh, This one has, was something I kind of grabbed on, and I, I had some notes and thoughts to it. And I'm going to look for a few moments, but... I remember him telling a story, and uh, he talked of a, a house he had built. My grandfather was a carpenter. Um, he would that was he started churches. And he was a church planner in upstate New York. But the way he made a living was he would build a house. They'd live in it for a couple months and sell it, and then he'd go build another one. I, I come by my projects honestly. Um, and, and about the time the house would get done is when they would they'd move out and start building another one. And he couldn't build like a you know, he had four kids, so all of his houses were rather large and rather big, and you worked on them for a long time, and 
I don't think my grandmother lived in a finished house for more than two or three months until um, they built their house in Piedmont when they moved home. Uh, but he told a story of a house that he, that he worked on, and it wasn't one he built, one he worked on uh, with somebody else. And so they got there, and the foundation just didn't quite look right. And uh, he said, something was wrong with that concrete. And he said he went to the, the guy in charge of that job. He said, hey, there's something wrong with this concrete. We need to rip it out and redo it. He said, no, 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 we've got to. We've got to, we don't have time for that. We've got to build a house. Like you're here today and there's sticks here today. You've got to put these sticks together and build a house here today. I said, no, this, this isn't going to work. And he went on to tell that before they were done with the house, Pastor, before they finished building the house, the foundation was beginning to crack and beginning to settle. That reminded me when he told that of a, a similar story that I experienced for myself. I, I was working in sales at a lumber yard and there was a, a local... Uh, educator who had been the superintendent of schools for some time. He retired, and when he retired, he was going to build his dream house right on the river, beautiful spot. He had about, I don't know, about 10 acres there that was perfectly flat, and it was probably three foot higher than Black River, just below the Clearwater Dam. Uh, if you know what Black River does over here uh, in Arkansas, Corning area there, John and Terry, you probably know what it does there. Uh, it does the same thing just below the dam. When the water starts coming out, the water rises. And, uh, but it was just a beautiful, beautiful spot. And So he had us come out, and I drew up a set of house plans for him, and we're going to build this beautiful house. I told him, I said, Doc, I think you probably need to move a little ways. You've got some more land. Let's, let's come back and up a couple more feet and just let's get to where we're on something solid. And This was a very smart man. Uh, it was one of my wife's early mentors and her education career. He had been superintendent of schools, had a doctorate degree. I don't know what else he held. Very educated, very smart guy. But he said, no, I'm going to sit right here on this porch and watch that water go by. I said, well, that's all well and good, Doc, but that may not be something you do for real long because you're going to have some problems. Sure. No, I'm going to sit right here and we're just going to do it. And I'm, Okay, so they built the house. About a year later, uh, we'll get a call and Says, there's something wrong with my house. None of my windows open. And my back door doesn't open anymore. So we go out there. As part of my job was to go. If somebody had a warranty claim, I had to go inspect. So I go out there and I look and I say, well, the reason your windows and your door won't open is because the middle of your house is three inches lower than the outsides of your house because all the ground's falling out from underneath it. Uh, today, nobody lives in that house, a $400,000 house that... Uh, is unlivable um, because no matter how many times they get under and jack the floor back up, the, it's all concrete floor, but the ground underneath it just sink holing in. Foundations are important. This struck me as I sat there in my office uh, wondering about where I was, how I was going to get through all of this because my grandfather had recently spoken and he had mentioned that if we had the right foundations, everything else was pretty easy. If we had something solid to build upon, we could build something pretty nice. But if we started with junk, we built junk. We get to the book of Matthew, the seventh chapter. And I'm going to start reading with verse 24. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, 
And it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I know that this is pretty basic stuff. We, we talk about this in Sunday school. We sing the song, the rain and the wind and the house came tumbling down. We, we talk about that and we understand that the wise men built on the rock and the foolish men built on the sand. And that's something that we all pick up if we're in church from a young age pretty early. And if we're not in church from a young age, it's still a concept that tracks pretty Simply, it doesn't seemingly be this huge thing to grasp, but uh, what struck me at that point in my life was that if I built everything off the basics of if I start with Christ and I build from here and I stay on top of Christ, everything else is going to work. If I can stay planted in His Word and planted upon a foundation of relationship with Him, everything else is going to work. And there again, I know that is seemingly a basic principle However, it's not always that easy to live. Anybody ever have life happen? Unfortunately, life happens. I was telling the Valor Project guys this morning that uh, no matter how much you're doing to do everything you can for God and you're walking in His steps and we were talking about the calling of God on their lives and where they might see themselves in ministry. And I said, guys, I want to remind you that even in ministry, stuff happens. Life still occurs. We, we talked a little bit this morning about jo, um, Joshua, that we find this verse, and I almost, it was not comical to Joshua, but it's almost comical to me sometimes, that, that Moses dies, Joshua's lost this huge figure in his life, probably a pretty rough time in his life, and God's word of Joshua, Moses is dead, get to work. Life happens, and we still have to keep going. I can't quit living for God because life happened. I can't quit serving God because life happened. I, I can't say, nope, I guess I won't make it to heaven because life happened. When all of those things happen, when life happens and there are situations I go through and times and trials and tribulations and I go through things that I don't want to experience, I still have to have a foundation that says, no matter what winds blow and no matter what rains come, I have to make heaven my home. If we can stay built on that foundation of Jesus Christ, we're like that wise man with a solid rock for a foundation, but if we live our lives out of God's will and we let life steer us rather than us let God steer our lives. It's, it's too easy to let life steer us, but that's, that's the tail dragging the dog. I remember we were coming back from West Virginia we used to take a week, my parents and family, we'd we'd go to West Virginia for a week every summer and ride foilers and dirt bikes in the mountains and uh, we hunt and fish and camp and shoot stuff and that was where I learned that, and I'll give you this tip free of charge, don't ever try to eat groundhog meat. It is the one meat I will never try again. Um, it is not good. That's nothing to do with what we're talking about, just don't eat groundhog meat. Um, so we... Uh, we're on our way there, and my dad um, was always a man of whatever we got, we're going to tow our trailer with and pull our car, pull our stuff. So we were in a Chevy Corsica, which if you're not familiar, is a small car that's not designed to pull a trailer. 
and we've got a four-wheeler and a dirt bike and a bunch of stuff on there, and we're in the mountains. And I don't mean mountains like Ozark Mountains like you see around Branson. I mean, we were in, they call them hills there, but we're in mountains. We're the next hill over, the spot I can see from my campsite, the next hill over is the tallest point in West Virginia, and if you get on that point, you can see seven different states. We're, we're in mountains, and we're going down these hills, and as we go down these hills, the trailer starts doing this number behind the little Chevy Corsica. And when the trailer starts doing this number, I remember at one point it gets bad enough that the back tires of the car, they start sliding back and forth around, and uh, there's a reason you don't. No matter where we moved weight, we keep moving weight to the front of the trailer, trying to get some tongue weight on it. Nothing we did helped. It, there's a reason you don't pull heavy stuff with a front-wheel drive Chevy Corsica. Um, but I remember as we're going down those, those hills, my dad never wanted to waste an opportunity for a lesson. says, this is, son, this is what they call the tail wagging the dog. He said, you're letting all your junk pull in behind you steer where you're headed. If we don't have the right foundation, and we're not firm in where we stand in knowing what I'm built upon and that from this point I don't move. If we are not that, when life comes, life begins to steer us. And life happens and junk happens and problems happen. And when all that comes, rather than me be able to continue on my path with Him, stay on that straight and narrow, instead my life becomes reactionary. Instead, I come to a place because my foundation is not what it was. Everything starts falling out from under me. And when that happens, life is no longer fixed. But life is, let me respond to this situation and respond to that situation. I'm going to make this choice and that choice. And before long, I don't even know how I got to where I was because I let life steer me. The problems of that happen are long-lasting. Shortly after, we had to get a new vehicle because never again would that car take a front end alignment. A set of tires, a new set of tires on that car after that would last about four or five months. And then they were wore out really weird and it couldn't be fixed. Something had been irrevocably changed from that point on and that car was never quite right again because the tail wagged the dog. There was a song that was popular when I was younger than I am now. I don't know exactly when, but it said, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It says, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If I can keep myself built upon Him and nothing else, nothing else, I can make it. If I can keep Him as my foundation and Don't let anything else be a part there, but simply God is my foundation. I'm built upon Him. Then when life happens, I can be solid. I don't have to be reactionary because I know that God goes through it with me. I know that He will get me through that place and get me through that situation. And as such, I can just continue to live for Him and trust that He is God. The book of Genesis, I don't know where I'm going there. Book of Genesis, the 11th chapter, we're going to... Switch gears for just a moment. It says the, We're going to start with verse 1. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city 
and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad on the face of the earth. We, uh, we look from time to time at the story of the Tower of Babel, and oftentimes we're looking at, I know I've used the illustration of look what men can do when everybody's in one accord, even if God's not there. Uh, but today I want to look a little differently. They had the wrong foundation. They built this tower and their thought was, their premise was, we're going to build this tower. We're going to make it all the way to heaven. We're going to be just like God from what we've built. They started with the wrong foundation. Sometimes we we get our foundation wrong. Our footing isn't right because of life happening. But sometimes our footing isn't right and our foundation is wrong because rather than building upon God, we are building pridefully upon who we are and what we've done and what we can do and how easy it is to caught up and say, look what I did here and look what I can do and look what I know and look at how great I am. Believe it or not, I have a slight issue with my ego. Um, I tend to take my motorcycle helmet off and my head's still the same size. Uh, It generally is taken care of. I from time to time, find myself in a, in a humbling situation, especially when I try to play golf. But I, I am not always as good at things as I think I am. My wife can generally tell me, hon, you're, we, we've got this uh, robot vacuum cleaner. and I personally think it's the greatest thing in the world. I can take my phone right now, and if I hadn't done it an hour ago to show the kids, I'd I do it right now. I can take it up and I can hit the button and it'll start sweeping. I don't even have to be there. My wife's like, hey, can you sweep the house? Yes, I can, honey. There we go. I'll, I'm doing it right now. Actually, babe, about 30 minutes ago, I finished sweeping just for you. Um, but it doesn't always work right. The problem with the robot vacuum cleaner is there's a couple things it doesn't like. It doesn't like little socks, a lot of little socks in my house. The bigger thing it doesn't like is bobby pins. There's a lot of bobby pins in my house, like, like millions of them everywhere. So what happens is they get caught in the robot vacuum cleaner. Now, it sends me an alert, um, but I, I got tired of seeing that, so I turned alert, the alerts off on that app. So my wife will say, "Hun, that vacuum cleaner's not sweeping like it's supposed to. And babe, oh, babe, it's fine. Everything's great. Because in my mind, I'm, I've put the robot vacuum cleaner in, and it's taking care of things. And um, Look at what I've done. My wife's saying, well, look at the floor. You ain't done much. And she'll tell me about this for three or four days, and it culminates to a point where I'm saying, babe, the vacuum cleaner is fine. He, he's great. Look at him. Check at him. He's good. And she's like, no, there's something wrong. And I'm like, no, it's fine. And I'm pulling up on the app, and sometimes it'll... It'll get a bobby pin caught just right to where it doesn't throw an error, but it also doesn't pick anything up. And when it gets to that point, 
I check my phone. I say, babe, you can see where all he's vacuumed. He's done it every day this week. Everything's just right. And she says, no, the floor's dirty. And I'm like, no, it's good. And then we go check and there's something stuck in the vacuum cleaner. And I, I have to say, dear, you were right. This was last night that I can, um, had to say that and clean out the vacuum cleaner. Um, is why it's fresh in my mind and a good example. But, but I can get so, if I'm not careful, I can say, look at me and look what I've done. I've vacuumed the floor with my robot vacuum cleaner. Not near as fancy as it sounds. Bought it on sale, thought it was pretty cool. Um, but, but I can get so built up into who I am and what, what I've done. And if we're not careful, we can allow that to be our foundation. Look at me. And in our society, that's what our society says is right. That's what our society says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to build something and be something because we can. The problem is without the wrong foundation, we're not get, or the right foundation, we're not getting anywhere. These people, they all get together and they build this tower and they say, we're going to build this tower and it's going to go all the way to the heaven. We're going to be just like God's. Look at us and how great we are. And their humbling moment comes. As God humbles them because their foundation was not what it should have been. I've oft wondered what would have been the outcome, what would have been accomplished if the people at the Tower of Babel had got together and said, let us all get together and worship God. Let us all get together and see what God wants us to do and where we can go in doing the work of the Lord. What would have happened? I don't know, but I think nothing could have stopped them with the right foundation. But their foundation was incorrect, and as such, they scattered. And I can't tell you where the Tower of Babel is today. I can't say, let's go look at the eighth wonder of the world, the Tower of Babel, because man was scattered because the foundation was incorrect. The psalmist David, he, he knew a little bit about this. He, the psalmist had both gotten to places, I think, that maybe he was a little big on himself, and also gotten to places where he had life happen to him. And no matter the situation, and no matter the scenario, David knew that if he could simply make it back to God, everything would be all right. The 20th Psalm, the 7th verse says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Today I know that we've all probably heard this topic spoke on before, but I think sometimes it's, it's good for us to stop and look at the very premise, the foundation of, of who we are and ask the question, where am I coming from? Am I at church Sunday morning because it's Sunday morning and on Sunday mornings you go to church? Am I here because I want to be seen because I got my suit just right? I'll tell you, mine's not my my right sock's on inside out. My left sock has little little crabs on it. My right sock has weird red circles. Are, are we we're saying, well, everybody's going to see me and I'm going to be seen, so I'm going to go to church this Sunday? Are we saying, well, I'm going to church because somebody's going to call me and ask where I was if I didn't go? Are we making it because I'm going to church on Sunday morning, I'm going to be in church on Wednesday night, if the doors are open, I'm going to be there because God is my foundation. My life is built upon Him. And in no other way will I live other than my life built upon Him. 
Am I serving because it's a thing to do? Am I here as, because church is my country club or am I here because church is my foundation and it is what I live and it is who I am and it is where I will go because I will make heaven my home regardless of what happens in my life. Today I know maybe it's a basic fact, maybe a, a fairly simple thought, a fairly simple premise, but even that be the case, I think we need to take some time every now and then and simply examine what is my foundation? What am I built upon? I don't want to be Doc Cook's house falling to the point that I've spent $400,000 on a house I can't live in because the doors don't open anymore. I don't want to get to a place where I've built something that I think is so big and so great and so grand and all it's doing is simply falling in upon itself. What I want to do is I want to build my life in a place that glorifies Almighty God. It may not be, somebody may never look back and look at my headstone and say, look at what he did. But I just want him to look at my headstone and say, he lived for God. I want that little dash that, we get that little dash between two dates at the end of our life. I think it's kind of a sobering fact to look at, to look at headstones and you see a date and a date and a dash and a name and Sometimes maybe a couple little words, but that's about it. But I want that dash to say, he made heaven his home. I want that dash to say, his foundation was built upon a relationship with Almighty God. And regardless of what happened, he never let anything shake him. He never let his attitude change. He never lived any differently, no matter where life took him, because he was built upon God. I have to have a solid foundation. I, I've spent most of my adult life in, in construction. And I, I've seen good foundations and I've, Pastor, I've seen bad ones. I, I've showed up and built houses and a couple times I've showed up and called a concrete guy and said, bust it all out and start over. I'm not building on that. I've, I've seen both and I, I understand what it takes to have something that you can build from. But it's really simpler than that when it comes to my life. I don't have to do any math. I don't have to do any calculations. I don't need a core sample from the concrete. I don't need to know its tensile strength or how much rebar is in it. All I have to know is, am I standing upon God? Is, is Jesus Christ the cornerstone of what I'm trying to build here or what I'm allowing Him to build here? Am I living how I should live and doing what I should do? Is my relationship with Him first and foremost and most important in my life. If, if that is the foundation I'm built on, then I can keep building. If that's what we're starting with, God can do something. Sister Laura, we can see. We saw 100 this week. We have the right foundation. Who knows how many we can see? Recoveries, God's going to take that somewhere and do something because the foundation, Pastor, that it's built on is something great. We saw those kids at camp I picked up yesterday as we're coming home. I was listening to them talk about this sermon and that sermon and what God was doing. And I realized that if they keep that as their foundation, there's no telling where those young men can make it. There's no telling what God's going to do through their lives if they can simply keep the right foundation. This morning as we continue on into our next service, I simply want us to remember that where we build our life is important. Where we start from is important, and we have to make sure that He is our foundation. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Littles. I remember as a child that song, The Rains Came Down, 
the floods came up. But the house that was built upon the rock stood strong. I didn't realize then, Brother Will, how important it was to understand the concept that was being shared. But the older I get, the more I know I'm thankful for a firm foundation. I'm thankful for a life rooted in the Word of God. I want you to tell your neighbor, the Word works. You need a sure foundation, and we find that in Him. Why don't we pray that God would help us to reaffirm that firm foundation. God, I thank you today for your word that has gone forth. I pray today for every person in this place that you would help us to establish, to reestablish that firm foundation because truly the rain is coming down. Truly the flood is coming up. But we know that we that are built upon you are going to survive the storm. And we say thank you, Lord. For that firm foundation. Thank you for your word. Amen. Thank you, Brother Littles, for that word. God bless each of you. We have guests today that we're so grateful that you are here with us. We hope that you'll stay and be a part of our worship service that begins in just a few moments. We have a brief break, and then we'll begin with the time of prayer just a little before 11. We're glad you're here. Let our guests know how thankful we are to have them. God bless you. Take just a few moments break, and we'll begin worship in just a few moments. God bless you.